0: Welcome to Real Talk with Life After Grief, Chris, where we talk about relevant issues as it relates to individuals in grief as they navigate finances and the advisors who help them. We help clients in grief navigate financial matters. We also teach advisors how to emotionally and financially work with clients in grief through an unparalleled process. This week's episode is sponsored by Life After Grief Financial Planning and Life After Grief Consulting. Hello and welcome to another episode of Real Talk with Life After G. Chris. In today's episode, we're going to talk about identity theft. And I thought it would be prudent to talk about identity theft right before the holidays start as people are online shopping, possibly out and about shopping. So would you know what to do if you yourself or you had a client whose identity was compromised resulting in fraudulent accounts being opened or their credit bureau being accessed? Well, I am going to tell you a personal story, and it was both a blessing and a curse. So about 2016 or so, I started noticing that I had cards coming to the house, just random credit cards, and I thought they were solicitations until I opened them. And one was a credit card that was linked to Amazon, and then my wife got one. And then I got a notice that there was another one that had been requested and was denied. And then I got another card that was with a bank associated with Walmart that was actually open and then it was subsequently closed. And then there was a isolated bank where an account was open and they tried to funnel funds into the bank account. And in total, my wife and I had about seven or eight accounts that were opened Slash denied. And so we had to do a lot of research, mainly I had to do a lot of research. My wife kind of put that on me to figure out, you know, what the cause or what the breach was. And my wife and I are very careful about our credit. We're very careful about our identity. And there are very few places where we have our identities lined up. And the only two places that we really would have our identity lined up were both sets of information could be accessed would be a bank or a medical provider. So I did some backtracking and figured out that it was a medical provider. And the amount of information that these folks had, it, it had to be a bank or a medical provider. They had both of our social security numbers. They had our driver's license numbers. They had our address, our birthdays, and there's probably some other information that they had as well. And like I said before, the only place that they could get that where we would both be listed would be a bank or a medical provider. So it was definitely a medical provider. And the process to get it corrected, because it was a huge learning curve for myself, it was probably eight to 10 hours to get it corrected. So these are some, I'm going to provide you with some things that I did, and then also provide you with information on where to go if this happens to you. So one of the first things that I did is I closed all of these accounts with proof of identity. So I had to get things notarized. I had to fax paperwork to the various providers, banks, whoever, you know, had the accounts that were potentially open in our name. The other thing that we did Is we checked all three credit bureaus to see what was showing up on those and the three credit bureaus are Equifax, Experian, TransUnion and then at a minimum I would put a seven-year alert on all three of the credit bureaus this means that anytime anyone tries to access the credit in your name or your client's name that they're gonna need a password and the preferred route is actually to freeze your credit for most people, that is very tedious, and every time you access credit, and accessing credit means if you go apply for any kind of a loan, whether it's a credit card or whether it's a home loan or a car loan, if your credit is frozen, then you have to go to the credit bureau and say, I want it to be unfrozen, and there's a process behind that. And ALERT, which is what we elected to do because we access our credit periodically, is, again, like I had referenced to have a password or something on file with the credit bureau to where the institution that is accessing your credit, for instance, a credit card, they're going to have to get a password from you. Then the other step that I would go through is I would notify the Federal Trade Commission and fill out a complete report. And this is so it has it on complete record. That's a pretty involved report that is filled out. Then something that's often not thought about or even considered is getting a PIN number in order to file your tax returns. And I advocate this and it's very important so no one steals your tax return. I had a client around the same time that had his tax return captured and then his return was subsequently stolen and he had to go through a whole bunch of hoops to get the tax return sent to him correctly. You can easily get by that process by having a PIN number. You request that directly with the IRS website, and they send the PIN number to you snail mail. So through the U.S. Postal Service, they send that to you. And if you don't have that after you've requested it, unfortunately, you can't access your tax return to file it. I had a situation where I left my PIN number at home and I was with my CPA filing taxes and I had to go home and get that, but it is a good step in the process. Next, I would alert check systems. So check systems, uh, this is a reporting system for all bank accounts. So anytime anyone opens up a bank account, the bank accesses a system called check systems and they check on check systems to see if you're worthy, so to speak, to have a bank account. And in addition to that, I would notify your bank and put extra security steps in place when obtaining information. For instance, anytime that I go online, I have a series of passwords or authentication that I have to go through. There are extra steps. However, uh, it does provide me extra protection. I also do that with regard to my email system. I couldn't tell you how many times That my personal email had been hacked and I changed my password and somebody would end up hacking it anyways. And the authentication that I put in place now, it's I'm not going to say that it's foolproof or it's virtually impossible, but I get hits on my phone quite often for somebody that is attempting to. Authorize or get in access to my email account unless they have either you know my fingerprints or some other you know substantial verifying information. It's going to be very hard for them to get into my email account. And then w- what I would also you know be very careful of is giving your personal information out online or in person. And then I would take that a step further. I would also be mindful of your child's personal information. I have another example of something that's happened. And as you've kind of listened to some of the other podcasts, I have a lot of life examples that I can provide. One of the schools that my boys attended prior, they had you fill out a waiver whether you would allow them to post pictures online or on social media. And we've unequivocally said no. And I'm going to give you a very specific example as to why we said no. A school, again, that my boys attended There was a fraudulent organization that stripped children's pictures off of their online website. And in addition to that, they utilized those pictures to fraudulently and pose as a nonprofit organization to solicit for donations. And so our children were not online. So their pictures were not able to be stolen or posted to that fraudulent entity. So very important, just kind of be leery. And then I would also change all passwords and institute two-factor authentication. I think I said that before, but i like to mention it again because it's very important. This isn't an all-encompassing list, but it's a very, very good start. Also with this, I'm going to give you access to bankrate.com. Bankrate.com has a listing of steps, recovery steps, if you're... ID has been stolen. Your identification has been stolen and how to recover those. And many of those overlap with the things that I've shared with you here. In addition to the steps that I've already named, I would also make a police report. That kind of goes without saying. I appreciate you listening, and I look forward to hearing from you again. And please feel free to share this podcast with any of your friends, family members, or colleagues. Thanks again. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you are a client and are looking to work directly with me, Chris, and or my firm, head on over to life after grief, FP, that is life after grief, FP, the FP is for financial planning.com. If you are an advisor looking to emotionally and financially work with your client in grief, or if you are a client looking to get your advisor's head in the game, head on over to lifeaftergriefconsulting.com. That is lifeaftergriefconsulting.com. Any information referenced in this week's podcast will be located here in the podcast section. And as always, please feel free to share this week's podcast with any friend, family member, or colleague. Thanks for listening. See you next week on the next episode.